0: This is Captain Bruce R. Scheffer.
1: This is First Officer John H. Ryer. This is Lieutenant Commander Robert Trav Pulaski.
2: This is Admiral Richard L. Tohoka.
3: This is Cadet Josie Pixie Mulcahy.
4: Welcome to the Continuing Voyages. Of the Tri Tac podcast, to go boldly into somebody else's intellectual property, to seek <laughs> out pretty much anything that isn't nailed down, and to make <laughs> it our own. Yep. <laughs> to go where well, so many have gone before, because we really want to use your stuff.
3: Never mind about me. Protect my shit.
4: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shall I beam
3: down an armed party?
4: Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. This week, we are continuing our series on playing Fringeworthy in other people's campaigns or other people's intellectual property. And in this case, we are doing Star Trek. Fringeworthy, a unique trait shared by so few. A gift or a curse to those that can transit a portal accessing the extra-dimensional network. A pathway to a million, million portals to a million, million other worlds. Worlds filled with terrible wonder or shocking beauty, populated by denizens other than human and motivated by their own values. A creation of a race so advanced that physical laws of the universe became not barriers to their own creative drives. Will you shoulder this burden and step onto the paths for your world?
0: Adventure in the million million worlds of Fringeworthy. Fringeworthy is a role-playing game by Tritech Games. Available at tritechgames.com. Come explore the worlds of tri-tech games. Explore the worlds of
3: Fringeworthy.
4: All right, so that's the tech level. If you were to go and do a Fringeworthy in the Star Trek universe, okay, where on the timeline do you think players really want to go, Okay. I mean do they want to to go in where the emerging technology is with or do you think they want to go full bore next gen deep space 9 you know I would mention you know voyager except that most of the stuff that they were doing with voyager except for the the really cool stuff with the holograms and the uh, and the uh the, the the virtual realities that they were able to produce most of their stuff seemed to be pretty much limited in the area of of um, bioengineering and them going into subspace.
0: Well, skip for skip for I think the two episodes where they actually went back in time on Earth.
4: Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, the, uh, they have time travel all through Star Trek. So you know you, but I'm just saying is that I you know uh, to me the highest level tech that seems to be mature um, and and available seems to be in the uh, Deep Space Nine uh, episodes. Thing
0: is, I would in terms of being able to do things. However, I would actually would either prefer Enterprise or the original series because, well, they still got money then. They still use money. You still have a a real, a real economy, and not well what they have in Next Generation, which doesn't make sense.
1: (sighs) Well, it's what they call a post scarcity income, where pretty much you, you, yeah, you have a job and everything. But I mean you're given food, clothing, education. You work to gain money to get things above and beyond what the federation gives you anyways.
0: But there is no money in in next generation universe. When you
4: tell you get next generation there is no money. They've done away with money. But there still is resources, okay? And uh, and but the most important resource that they have in next gen And this is because that they don't believe in cloning and they don't believe in using the transporter to reproduce people is help. You know, is basically your, you know, man hours. That seems to be the biggest limiter for the whole Star Trek universe. Everything else can be replicated.
0: I mean, yeah, they basically don't uh, use automation on their ships. To the extent they really, they, we would, we would use so much automation on our ships. You could, the enterprise would have a crew of three. I mean, you know, from our point of view, we would be so automated. They don't like robots. So they don't, they don't, they don't like AIs that basically take over, you know, because they have had many bad experiences with AIs and superhumans. So yeah, they kind of t- stay away from those folks. And they tend to go more of the hu- human route. You know, I would say the Air Force computer is isn't isn't an AI.
4: It's just a very smart computer, right? And, and because it is a socialist, basically a socialist uh, society, everybody needs a job. So you know, there's lots of jobs out there. They're important jobs. Okay, they don't have people doing you know stupid jobs. You know, where you're just sitting, you know, doing something that really doesn't need to be done just so you have a job to do. But you know but that's where that scarcity of, of, of resources, human resources or, or sentient resources comes in. You know that they don't have enough people to do all the different things they want to do because, as you said, they don't do AIs, they don't do robots, they don't do clones, they don't do a, a lot of the things that would you know take away those things. It's yeah, and something we like about the Star Trek universe is the fact is, as a human being, you're important. You're not just you know a cog in the wheel. Yeah. Now, of
0: course, they do weird things in the next generation. Uh, and when I say weird things, we're talking to the, 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 the outliers, the folks who decided that they don't want to deal with any of this technology stuff, like Cisco's dad and his restaurant or Picard's brother and Chateau de Picard. Both of those are, you look at them and you start working out how they operate because they both claim not to have anything you know, other than maybe like plates or glasses. Replicated. They use all naturally grown food. You, you know how many people are required to support a Cajun restaurant? We're talking hundreds of people to support that restaurant and becomes and since I'm very familiar with vineyards, cause I, you know, I live here in Washington state and I've been to many vineyards. You need hundreds of people for a vineyard. One, one guy and his, and his son can't pick all those grapes. You need a hundred people and it's backbreaking work. So I'm trying to figure out where are they getting out of this? Because it's all going into, into into chateau into their into their wine bottles, and I don't, I'm not sure what they're going to do with them. I mean, yeah, bottles have shown up on Deep Space Nine, of Chateau de, de Picard have showed up, but you know, still, the, both of those are incredibly labor intensive, but they don't really benefit anyone other than well, especially Chateau de Picard don't benefit any other than people who have, like real wine, not Sentinel.
4: Well, they they are a continuation of a culture. And so, therefore, I could see you know uh, field trips of children, teenagers, especially in the equivalent of high school, coming out and helping out, doing the harvest because it's like this is what it was like a hundred years ago. Getting some experience doing it every year. There's another you know set set of teenagers to uh, you know to send out to the to the to the vineyards and do whatever. Yeah, I mean it's this it's rare. You, they they're not they don't produce enough to supply the entire world. <clears throat> Which okay. is why it's one of those things where only people who really want a real thing and don't like Syntha, syntha I guess pronounce it, Syntha Hall, syntha Hall. You know,
2: they're the they're the ones who insist on having the real thing. Right now in Israel, you ha- you have kibbutzes, who well, the kids come out in the summers and they work the kibbutzes. Yeah, but I don't see uh, Picard's brother having that.
0: I mean, he's he's one you know you know. Uh, irascible type dude uh, and also picking grapes isn't just a matter of picking grapes you gotta know you're picking the grapes are just right and that only comes from experience so yeah they bring out gaggle high school kids but the trouble is they're working alongside the villagers from the local village who also get
4: bottles of wine as payment for the labor i doubt that john john i can't i think you're creating a straw man okay it's just, it, as far as you know, once you get past the human labor, I'm sure that a, a very small tricorder could could basically identify each and every grape that needed to be picked, and so the children would have no trouble picking the mature grapes. I mean, you know, don't don't make it harder than it has to be. That's true. They walk. Oh, well,
0: they wouldn't be a tricorder. It'd, it'd be equivalent of the tricorder iPhone going. Is that right? Nope. That right? Yep. Grab that one. Be slower though than an expert eye, though. But you know, that's said. You know. That's just me.
1: Yeah, but do the, kef- the exact chemical composition for getting a wine-worthy grape could be picked up by a standard tricorder.
0: Yeah, you, you, you're you looking for it to being just at the point where it has the most sugar in it and the least amount of juice. You want, you want a lot of sugar. You want hard little grapes that basically are just mostly sugar.
1: Right, exactly. And a tricorder could pick that up just by scanning for chemical composition.
4: Right, Exactly. So I'm just saying, is it you know if if now this was a television show, an episode on the television show, okay? They didn't they didn't put a whole lot of effort into thinking about how it integrated with their society and everything else. It was just John Luke Picard visiting his brother. So yeah, yeah. I mean, so if you I'm saying any solution you come up with, okay, the story verse is going to say, yeah, that works. You know that right, John? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They'll, they'll come. With with, with with If it's
0: not high school students, it's the local villagers who show up, and you know, because they know they're getting bottles of wine out of
4: it in, in, in a year or well, two. Even years. if they don't get bottles of wine out of it, it's still supporting, you know, a historical uh, festival, uh, an historical um, uh, ritual. I mean, I'm just saying these things. There's, I mean, in a world that has many people, as start as. You know, the Star Trek universe does, I'm sure you'd have lots of people who'd be willing to volunteer when it was harvest time or any other time because they just wanted to see what it's like. Yeah, that's
0: true. Yeah. yeah. His brother's name is Robert, Robert Picard. Yeah, of
4: course it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Memory Alpha,
1: memoryalpha.wiki.com. Okay. Memory Alpha. Oh, I use the holy hell out of that site for my campaign. I even use Memory Beta, which is the non-canon Star Trek stuff, because it gives site information. So, right. yeah, Memory Alpha, folks, if you want your Star Trek wiki, that's it. Uh, okay.
4: All right, well, John, you you, want, you like the really early Star Trek with the Enterprise, uh, you know, the, the series Enterprise and maybe the original series. I like the Deep Space Nine. What you know, Richard? What do you think? What's your favorite place that you would see people adventuring? Probably
2: next gem. Okay, and why? And why? Because it's it's not quite the old trek. It's not quite the the um, Voyager, which nobody mentions. And uh, (laughs) it's you know because Voyager was so much bolonium that it would make great sandwiches. Um. <laughs> yeah, V'ger Yeah, but uh, yeah. Um. Though I do slightly like Abrams' Star Trek universe because it's it's more human in many ways. Okay, so you, and flawed.
4: Yeah. So you you. Oh, you yeah. You want to? Are you saying then that you want to be in a in a, a more flawed Star Trek universe? rather than the more perfect uh next I gen. think it would
2: it would be more challenging and next gen would just be a romp a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, next gen the the federation was more polished and refined. Back in the original series and even Enterprise, there was still that rugged frontier kind of okay, yeah. we're kind of traipsing along and we may may stakes along the way and we'll trip and stumble every so often by the time next gen came around yes we're quite cultured and yes and you know we are explorers and you know yeah and we're better than all of you there is definitely that more pop yeah you have a more rough and tumble feel about the original series with kirk and picard and enterprise with archer yeah
0: I just thought of another place I wouldn't mind going to. It'd be a little bit more dangerous, but it'd be just as much fun to go to. The Mirrorverse. Okay,
4: well, that's an entirely different thing, too. And, uh, you know, I've, I've weighed down this before that I thought that uh, they should, the entire Enterprise series should have been the Mirrorverse. Oh, the two, the two episodes? In- oh, there's a lot of people who just
1: say Enterprise is not canon. Oh no! As a matter of fact, Oz, the aforementioned player of the Klingon character, he's just look. He and I have that disagreement. He's like, no. As far as I'm concerned, none of that is canon.
0: I mean, I, I've mentioned, I've, I said this before, Cochrane somehow must have been, when he crashed when he crashed in that one world with the with the other must have gone to an amazing amount of um, re- uh, regrowth because he lost a full foot of height. His hair turned black. Ah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah.
2: The Companion. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Companion, yes. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, basically they had an actor they loved. They they picked a good actor to play him in the movie, so I, I, I can't complain.
1: James Cromwell, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay,
4: Pixie, we haven't heard from you.
3: So much that was said, I forgot what the original
4: question. The was. question was: Is that where in the timeline of Star Trek would you want to be adventuring? You know, in the Enterprise, in the Next Gen, in the uh, you know, do you want to hang hang around on a Borg Cube? I mean, where is it that you Ew. you know you know in the in, in the uh, hey you know seven or nine. Well, they they had that virtual space they were in. That was pretty pretty good. But, anyways, um, where where in the Star Trek timeline uh, do you think you'd want to be adventuring?
3: I have no idea.
1: I would probably, well, I mean, right now, our campaign is based in the Abrams Burst.
3: That's about the only one I Hope. actually know. <clears throat> She's not
1: a huge Star Trek fan. I I've, mean, you've you've seen the two not movies, right?
3: That I'm not a, it's not that I'm not a fan. I've seen the two movies. I've seen them both. I like this, okay? It's not that I don't like the original stuff. It's that I live with someone that channels surfs every day. Well, that's 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 right.
1: Well, that that means you just got to watch it on your own. But you, you I can't bet-
3: remember where it is. That's the thing. I don't remember it's, the channel number. It's, it's on
1: diesel. the internet. Yeah, Netflix, Hulu, they've got all Star Trek right there. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyways, she right now she she has a character right now in my Abrams-verse set campaign. And it's, like, now about a year and a half after the end of Into Darkness. So that's pretty much the experience she has as far as gaming in a Star Trek universe is its original series era, but in that alternate reality.
3: And even then, I had so little experience, I'm not even playing somebody in Starfleet.
1: Right, I have her playing an indigenous Native, basically. So, And she's dealing with the Starfleet people, so she's playing that contrast of, okay, I'm low-tech and these people are high-tech. See, that's another disparity is, the let's say, okay, we pop this fringe wor- portal onto a world, and even enterprise, the technology is going to be a lot higher than I did. You're going to have that massive tech disparity where here we are with slug throwers and diesel powered engines and you know the laptops that we have now and you've got the stuff of enterprise minimum and it's just going to be it's just going to be like you know it's like we got a couple hundred years of experience to catch up on actually
0: it actually makes a good point i mean uh, do you do you know if the uh that warp on that one portal is it a warp or is it a ring station
1: oh for um the iowa the iowa starport you mean yes uh, it doesn't really say whether it's warp or portals from That's what i remember professor. yeah i made it a warp yeah, I, I, here's
0: the thing, I, I was thinking about that. If it's a warp, it, I would assume it's been turned off. It's locked down. Why? It's a warp. And what? And what's the one thing they do very well near Starports and Star Trek? They look for things like warp signatures. Oh,
1: look, there's a warp signature out in the middle of that field. One of the things I came up with as I was you know, coming up with this idea is that the sensors on, on starships... Would be able to pick up the energy signature from a submerged portal and the warp that it generates from orbit, a capital ship of the Federation or the Klingons or whatever. They'd be able to pick that up right away. And then they would find out that the warp, the energy is coming from underground. So they're going to ex, you know, they're going to exhume the warp anyways. They're just going to, you know, like, you know, blast away the ground. Oh, look, there's that portal submerged five feet underground. So they're going to be very easy to find with Federation based technology.
3: Yeah. Even if the
1: Guardian of Forever. Yeah.
0: Well, where I was looking at, if, if, the, if the portal's been turned off, there's no warp, the warp doesn't appear. Right, exactly. So I imagine, you know, here's your team showing up, and they come along and they're trying the portal, see when they can open up, and clink, it opens up. Hey, ooh! Get the get the get the wind up. We're gonna send through. Meanwhile, up in orbit in in star at, at Starbase One, the sensors just go crazy. We have a warp signature on the planet where Iowa by a starport by the by the shipyards. They're all going crazy at that point because the warp disappeared down the surface. And I would suggest the the by the time you get through there with your team, the 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 uh, Federation equivalent of the SEAL team will be there waiting
4: for you. Well, I disagree, John, and I'll tell you why, okay? And that is because unless this world is a, and this is especially would be true if it is a warp rather than a full ring station, if this is not a, com- a, a fully fledged at one point commonwealth world, then this world was uh, put, uh, essentially it was there uh, to, with it, the idea being that the portal should be hidden, uh, that it that, the, that these people weren't ready to join the Commonwealth. All right. It just seems to me that the Tamalerns would have the tech to be able to hide their so-called what you're what you're referring to as like a warp signature. That it, it's there, but they really just wouldn't be able to see it, touch it. You wouldn't you, know, you can't measure it in any way that we can with our modern tech. I imagine a pretty high-level tech, you would not still be able to do that. So uh, I, I'm saying I think that it, regardless, you know, of, of that, whether it is on or off, you still wouldn't be able to detect it. Now um, there Bruce,
1: one yes. of the things that a tricorder can do is measure energy emissions. The portal is still gonna give off an energy
4: emission if it's creating a dimensional portal. Unless it's I, somehow hiding that. Unless it's literally hiding all of its energy in another dimension and all you have is this very gossamer thin interface that, you know, barely just, you know, kisses, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know the, 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 whatever you want to call. It. I'm just saying, is that, you know, we, if you want to say that it cannot be read, you know, by uh, the story verse, then I think the Tamalors have the ability to do that.
0: Yeah, the reason I'm thinking about, I would say, it may not it, they may not have thought of doing that because it was put here probably a, what, five thousand years ago. There was no warp technology on Earth. They they would, and the science and the universe would be strange enough that we sit there trying to figure it out. You know, how does this place work? We don't know. It doesn't obey normal physical laws. So they may, you know, may not be and also I hate to say it, the storyverse decides, uh, I don't care what you do, we can they can see it if I wanted to put the people in the story. So it's up to the GM. I say it's gonna be up to the GM, whether or not the the, the, the they can see it or not. If you if want, if you if the GM wants to be able to sneak on, then they can sneak on. If the GM wants to immediately push them into
4: a story, bang, there's a SEAL team waiting for you when you come out the portal. <laughs> if the story verse uh, you know is a factor here that until people go through the portal the story verse wouldn't care all right so that really wouldn't be a factor John
0: well it, well you send, if you if you say wind up through first though that's sort of like in saying knock knock someone's here
4: yeah but you're still already you're talking you know that's that's when it happens okay they wouldn't have, because see here's my thing and that is that even with the portal being off okay there's still something there. We, know, we, we've already said that there's something there. So if if it can be detected. It would be detected by this level of technology, which is what you were just saying. So, if you went, through, if that's the case, if you go through, you're not going to find this thing sitting out on a plane in in Iowa. This thing is going to be under lockdown, and they're waiting for someone to come through with some sensors, and you know they're immediately going to send off the Calaxians, and and uh, maybe everybody just gets hit with you know some scanning transport beams, and you know. <laughs> You know, zapped over to the nearest holding tank.
0: I actually can see it now. Uh, Sarah just came through that portal. What, what do you mean? And sit there and look. What is that? It's a wind up device trailing a cord behind it. Now it's thrown the cord back through the portal and it's sitting there taking pictures with an old style camera. Interesting. He walk
4: over and put a note on it. Please come to through. We want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're so much assuming that they would be able to identify things like a camera in in the 20... 20- it's Star tr- Trek. I, don't, but I mean, they wouldn't necessarily know what a camera looks like anymore. There's a whole yeah. lot of things. They would think it was a toy. If Okay, if there's a guy who still walks around with law books, there's still people
0: out there who do old-fashioned silver nitrate photography out there.
4: Yeah, and, but they're not sitting there watching a, a security screen, thank you very much.
1: They would have call somebody in or scan it up on a computer, you know, on the, on a database and go, Well, that seems to be a twentieth century, you know, silver nitrate film camera. Yeah. Yeah. They would they would do a quick scan, you know, tap into the database and yeah. all that. But
4: well, my point is is that as soon as you go through as soon as you went through the portal, even before that, I mean this would all be set up. You get grabbed. And so okay, they, they uh, would be very interested in what who you were and where you came from, and why is it they're not able to uh, do any real analysis of this thing okay, Pixie wanted to say something really please quick. pixie
3: the way I was seeing what you guys are saying uh, since I really can't provide any input between you and him and, and the other him. Uh, I told
4: think, you, you got to jump in quick.
1: Anyways. I'm
3: trying to jump in. You stopped. I, I started <laughs> saying something. He started up and he's louder.
4: Fixie, don't know, waste your time it. complaining. Just tell us what you want to say. Yeah. Anyway,
3: yeah. Whatever. The way I'm seeing what you're seeing is yeah, if it can be picked up, it would be picked up. But would they have reason to look for that unless something happens.
4: I'm contending that if a warp exists and it can be detected, they would detect it already. I mean, even if you know, and that's why they would say, here's this thing, we don't know what it is. It's sitting here in Iowa, pretty darn close to our spaceport. You know, surely this must be important at some point. So let's put a like I say, put a, a a sensor on it that'll automatically trigger if any anything ever happens to it. And then yeah, and they, then would, they yeah. would ignore it. They would ignore it after that. They would put a sensor right nearby.
0: Well, they would definitely do a deep deep scan to see what's around there, And then they would see the ring station directly underneath it, buried in the soil. They'd dig it up
1: at that point. And in that case, then the warp would disappear because the portal would be exposed. Yeah, yeah. so
3: even if it starts out as a warp, it's not going to stay that way.
1: Okay, Here, here's something else I thought of. And I don't know if, Josie, I, I may have discussed this with you. John, you said back in the day, previous episodes, those with psionic potential can pick up, they can sense that the portal is there. You said something along those lines, or maybe you did, Bruce. But psionics know that the portal, they can sense that the portal, even if they're not fringe-worthy, certain psionics still can.
4: Yeah, what I said was is that, the ability to sense the portal, the r- rainbow effect, is in fact psionic. Uh, that, okay. And you, it, it, even blind people who are fringeworthy worthy can see the ring. So, therefore, it, it raises the question that would people you know, who are psionic and not fringeworthy, worthy would they also be able to detect it if they're within 100 feet?
1: Here's the thing, then. Vulcans are psionic, but it's touch telepathy, would they be powerful enough to sense that the portal's there? Or would they have to practically be on top of it and all of a sudden walk within, like, five feet and be like, hmm, interesting. There seems to be something here, Captain. You know, would that be the case? Because that, that as I said, these questions all came up when I came up with this idea. It's like, I, okay.
3: Yeah, we did discuss that.
1: Yeah. The, and, as, as I said, I didn't know at the time whether Bruce or John had said something about psionic sensing portals. But Balkans being basically touch telepaths, all of their sonic powers are due to touch. I mean, they can do them at range, but optimally their powers work best with skin-to-skin contact. They would have to practically be standing on top of the submerged ring station to go, oh, there's something here. Hmm, my my, psychic senses seem to pick up something here. And then they would... Get a tricorder out and scan where the portal is underground.
0: Yeah, I mean, don't take Spock as the uh, example of how strong the sonics is because remember he's half human. So I would say a full Vulcan would be a lot better at doing the range thing than Spock is. You know, because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Also, I'm thinking because we did mention this in the Great Train Wreck that because because things because. Really, if I have a molecule of air moving along and it encounters the warp, it doesn't matter if it's got a ring station or 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 it's the a a, a, a a transit warp, it still does a minor transit. It goes in, says so not fringe race, but it's back out again. But there's that little bit of
4: delay. Well I, I did not buy that, but okay. Uh, I did I did like your idea that when somebody does do, you know, a, a transit that it does cause um, a, um, a electromagnetic uh, change at, at the point of interface, and so they were able to measure that. I thought that was an interesting.
0: idea. There's basically more resistance at the actual surface of the portal.
4: But uh, to go back to your thing, Trav, uh, this this would only be true if the rainbow effect was turned on, uh, because it, there's there's no if it is psionic and it's it's projecting it. Then if you turn the rainbow effect off there's no reason for there to be any psionic emission going on so okay. therefore if 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 you don't have the rainbow effect going you know Spock doesn't you know can't can't you know detect it because it's not doing that
0: okay oh and I, and sorry pixie I, I actually have a lag so you're coming in a second after you I, I hear a gap i start talking and then it catches up and I'm sorry know. Uh, I I found this out with the Sunday Skypers. I have a one to one and a half second lag when it's bad. So yeah, if I sound like I'm talking over somebody, it's because I heard a gap and I started talking,
1: but the gap had already passed. (laughs) Something I noticed, and, and they even brought this up in Prime Directive D20 Modern, that despite the vast... You know, 300 year difference between now and even the original series, there's a definite lack of transhumanism. You're not having massive bionic and nanotech and genetic uh, augmentation of humans. And I mean, they explain it pretty well. I mean, nanotech isn't found until next gen. Where the one episode where Jordy mentions that, yeah, the Federation Council, they're having a hearing on whether nanites are considered their own life form.
0: Yeah, where Wesley drop, leaves his container open of his nanites and they get out and infect, infect the computers. Yeah. Right.
4: yeah. But, but not only yeah. that, but I mean, also all the the Borg. Yeah,
1: yeah. that, and well, even before, like in original in the original series, you just didn't have anybody with, you know... I mean, granted, in the 60s, they probably weren't thinking of cybernetics, but you know, even in next-gen and in the movies in the 80s and 90s, you know, Star Trek 1 through 6 and then Generations, you didn't have cybernetics as a means of replacing body parts that, you know, were damaged or whatever. Now, we all know why... Now, we all know why genetics aren't used in Star Trek. That's due to the augments and con and the eugenics wars. And pretty much the Federation said, um, unless you're changing a birth defect, we will not have genetic engineering in the Federation.
0: Of course, Bashir's parents say, yeah, no, we're going to make him a perfect kid.
4: Right. And also, um, they had that whole thing. There were Bajorians, okay? They had that Bajorian... Uh, guy who was trying to do a treaty, and he would really gotten he was dying of a degenerative disease. And they started replacing more and more of him with artificial parts, and uh, and and they and the the way that the story went was is that every time that they replaced a the part, he became less of who he was. And so there's there's very much of a uh, of a of an idea that you don't want to do this unless you really really have to because it's just. Is just bad. On the other hand, we've got, you know, uh, we've got John Luke who has an artificial heart. And everybody's cool with that.
1: Yeah, because you had the Nausikens, I think, he basically got in a bar brawl and they ran him through, through his back and it pierced his heart, so they had to replace his heart. Yeah, so cybernetics, well, that's next gen. By then, they probably would have refined cybernetics enough to where in- a dire need, you could have a cybernetic body part. Yeah.
0: But, yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking of poor Captain Christopher Pike, who's stuck in that mechanical wheelchair. He only can say, yes, no.
4: Yeah. I, you know, that, that just doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. I never – I looked at that and I said, oh, come on. He can't he, – I mean, even in the twentieth century we've got better adaptive devices than yes and no. Come on. Yeah. Stephen Hawking, Stephen Hawking. I mean,
2: I could you know We didn't have it back then though, in the sixties. Yeah. We we didn't have uh, we didn't have Star Trek flip phones either.
4: We had it. We had it in science fiction. We had Waldo's. We mm-hmm. had a bunch of stuff. You know, they they cho- you know, uh, Roddenberry chose not to put it into his thing, and he chose to do this to poor Captain Christopher Pike. So, you know, I, I'm just saying though, is that I never really bought it as being you know anything that made sense in in the technology. The only thing I could
3: think
0: of was that he suffered. Major neurological damage to the point where he couldn't really, even if they gave him the ability to talk, he couldn't talk because that portion of his brain was just gone. You know, he, he, he can understand speech, but he couldn't make it because the bits in his brain that would do it were gone. So the best he could do was he basically was doing the equivalent of pushing of using his, the only thing he could do was move a finger mentally and he was pushing yes or pushing no. And that was it. You know he he was worse than Steve. basically he's where Stephen Hawking would be is going to be in about five years if he stays alive.
4: Again, it's best not to overthink these things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you're playing, you know, a fringe really team. Okay, so how much interaction do we want to have with these iconic characters? I mean, is are are we gonna? <sighs> is, is it going to be like you know we come into it, it, well we have talked about this on other shows like. Um, and we talked about even on our 300 episode about dealing with characters like um, oh, uh, Sherlock Holmes and, uh, and the doctor. Okay, you know you come I mean, if this is a story verse, the story's not about you guys. The story's about these other guys. And every time you run into them, you're basically jammed into their story. So do we really want to do that? Is that something that would make for a good adventure or not? I mean, granted one time sure. You know, uh, but is that something we, we want to do where we are actually on the bridge with, uh, you know, James Kirk or, um, you know, or, or any of the other, you know, C- Captain Janeway? I mean, do we want to be there, you know, uh, or is it going to be one of these things where it suddenly turns into an auto-run adventure and, you know, we're, most, we're
2: more likely to get hurt than to actually, you know, do anything that they would find useful? What I think of is the DS9, uh, Trouble with Tribbles episode. But They go back and they're there and they're interacting, but they're not majorly interacting with the crew.
0: And they were they were basically going basically are they are they going after someone else who's back in back in time as well. So they had a different mission, but they had also had to interact with with the events that had, had happened in the past. Yeah.
4: Well. I don't see most adventures taking place as time travel things. I'm just saying, is it we already established that we you know, the whole point of this of this episode is to say, hey, we wanted to adventure in the Star Trek universe. I'm just saying, is that you know if you do adventure in the Star Trek universe, how much interaction do you want to have with the iconic characters from the the, the series, the, the very series that we're talking about, depending upon whatever time you set your adventures to be in. You know, there's going to be some iconic characters. Do we want to run into them or not? That's my question.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay, if you sit, like, say during the, move before the movies, but after the series, then Kirk becomes a Commodore, then becomes an Admiral, and gets death So you actually have a better chance of encountering him uh, in San Francisco, uh, the Starfleet Academy Starfleet and Starfleet Headquarters. Uh Spock, maybe Spock is either gone back to Vulcan. McCoy is doing his own thing, and Scotty's. But honestly, do a very interesting time. Though there are several novels set in that period uh, that deal with all these things. So yeah, I mean, that's the other thing you got to consider. There are novels that cover the the, the the time when the series ends and when the movies start. There's actually several novels that cover that period. You know, so
4: so you're saying so you're saying John that. That, you know that, that the interaction with these iconic characters would be minimal or because what you're suggest because you just create a situation where we own that that you when you're in, you're adventuring when they're boring okay so I mean yeah and that's wow. yeah. boring is a great way
3: to describe that
0: yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, those some of the novels that are sitting in that period are they actually they're they going off on adventures and so forth. So, yeah, and not all the and not all the novels are canon, and
4: not all, they're they're expanded universe uh, type stuff. So, but you're still not answering my question, John. Uh, and I'm, so I'm going to turn to Pixie. Okay, Pixie. Okay, is there a uh, uh, is there a Star Trek character that you would love to be on adventures with? From what you know. Yeah, based on what you know.
3: <laughs> what I know is basically the, the main group. Co
4: huh?
3: Spock, Scotty. Anyone,
1: and, so, Scotty.
3: Damn, oh, he's fun.
1: I take Dude, it as, as portrayed by Simon Pegg, the recent one. Yeah. Okay.
4: So, <laughs> yeah. Would you want to oh. be on adventures with him?
3: Oh, yes.
4: Just don't let him around your pet beagle.
3: <laughs> I don't have a beagle.
4: You wouldn't after Scotty got done. Yeah, no, he's he's hard on dogs. He's very hard on small dogs. And nephews. Uh, but, oh, dude! <laughs> dude! Don't,
3: don't let him in my backyard. Got it.
1: Well, no, in one of the Star Trek movies, his nephew was on the thing, on the ship with him, and he ended up, yeah, so that's what John meant by that.
4: Okay, what about you, Richard? You know, what iconic... Uh, Star Trek characters would you like to be adventuring with? Well,
2: oh, I've actually spent uh, a couple, hour and a half with Jimmy Doohan back in the 70s. And he was just the most wonderful human being in the world. Nobody had recognized him uh, because he had his full beard on. And uh, I sat down and talked. just started to talk to him. It was great. Um, I think Scotty. I really think Scotty.
0: Yeah, think about it too, it would be Scotty. I also met Nana Visitor, but that would be a different adventure altogether. So, um,
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I think the best of all worlds would be Dax. I think Dax, she, you know, whichever version you want to go with, had a real sense of fun and adventure, and you know, it wasn't rule bound. At the same time, it lived a long enough time that didn't sweat the small stuff, but still was looking for stuff to do. And uh, if I was to adventure with somebody, I think I would want to hang around with Dax.
1: Yeah, I think the DS9 group would be cool to be with because, yeah, you had the the straight-laced Federation people. Then you had those people who, they were out in the frontier. That's where they lived. Rules were for people closer to civilized space. So you had that, excuse me, that dichotomy of, Oh, we have to follow rules, but out here, many of them don't apply. People made their own rules, so I think DS Nine would be a cool area to be around. Yeah, just got to deal with the toilet swirl and occasional stuff
0: from the from the from the Delta Quadrant and the uh, uh, and
1: the fact that Cisco is the chosen one. But you know. Uh. Well, even Cisco was a, an interesting character. I mean, yeah, he was. I mean, he was a very intelligent man. It's just he wasn't as quite as cultured as Picard because there's even the scene where he di- where Cisco uh, uh, dealt with Q and Q was doing his normal and Cisco just clocked him one. Picard would never hit me, and he just looks and goes, I'm not Picard. <laughs> I was like, yes.
3: <laughs> okay. That yeah, That would be fun.
1: So, yeah, I think the DS9 group would be kind of cool because you just have that gradation of proper to seat-of-the-pants type lifestyle where you have the shades of gray. That was one of the big things of DS9 as opposed to Next Gen. There was a lot more gray areas there because of where they were.
0: You you mentioned somebody who's the equivalent of Orcus in that world. Q. I wonder if you know if a genre, if a you know trick fan uh, both as a player player and as a player character goes through and says, "You know who I want to meet Q. Q." <laughs> And tries to invoke Q, see if he shows up. And the thing is, these are people from another universe. He knows this.
1: He would show up.
4: Might. Yes, he would. Maybe
1: I met John Delancey two years ago. He's a great guy. Yeah, um, I got I got to fist bump him after we said goodbye because I guess he has arthritis, so he couldn't open his hand. So I fist bumped John Delancey. It was great. But no Q. Oh no, he would really send them on an adventure because of the fact that they are extra-dimensional beings like himself despite them still being human.
4: Oh, he would definitely send them on an adventure. Okay, oh. <laughs> that's for sure.
2: Um, all right, well, so let's, re- let's invert the question, okay? Oh, I could see that. I you could Go ahead, here, babysit Trillane.
4: Exactly. So, what iconic character from Star Trek would you... Would you go running? Is that as soon as that character showed up? It was like no way. I am not adventuring. I. What, I'm not play, doing this storyline. This is. I, I'm going back through the portal. You guys come back get me later if you survive. Okay, this is not happening. Not to my character. Not to me. So, okay,
1: let's see. What character? No,
4: Warf. <laughs> oh come on. Warf was okay. No, Warf was was basically
0: if. He, if he wants, sh- yeah. If he want to show how bad the alien is, it beats up Worf <laughs> every time. He was, he was, he was, the,
4: he was the, he was the punch, punching bag for the show, and that, and that's why you wouldn't want to ever go on an adventure with Worf.
0: Yeah, because he the alien would have first beat him up, and then she said, "See how bad I am? I'm not gonna beat you up." And <laughs> he'd be more dangerous to go with. I mean, look at look what happened to his ship. I mean, it was nearly destroyed.
4: All the ships have been nearly destroyed many times
0: yeah, but his was I don't know it was he I think he it sec- was uh, I'm trying to remember the ship because it was in ds9 the uh, the board killer ship I can't remember its name now defiance because I think that got sacrificed at the end of, uh, at, uh, either I you know, got sacrificed I think it got sacrificed in the movie
4: probably this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them this is John
0: Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This
1: is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players.
0: This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next.
1: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun.
3: Yo, brothers. This was the tri Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at tri Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers.